I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Coming to you from Eggplant Studios in downtown Toronto, this is Jim Rats and Joints with Javon Shepard, Andy Routens, and Dan Gladman. Jim Rats and Joints is brought to you by Henderson's Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love. For producer Dan Wong and myself, Jeff Cole, let's rack it up, Danny G. It's a mild, sunny, late winter day in Toronto. It's not spring yet, and we aren't out of the woods in Canada, not for winter weather and not for COVID vaccinations. But all good things are coming, and that includes March Madness. It's Friday, March 12th. 2021, and we are on Zoom as we have been for months. Javon Shepard is back, fresh off a terrific run, broadcasting Raptors 905 G League games in Canada. He's also the general manager of the Canadian Elite Basketball League's Ottawa Blackjacks. Andy Routens, former Syracuse Orange and assistant general manager of the Blackjacks, is here. Shep, how'd you enjoy? Uh, how'd you enjoy your experience broadcasting? the G League games from the bubble in Orlando. I loved it, man. I think, you know, just that whole experience, the fact that you went from, I went from playing and then now, you know, sitting on a broadcast in a broadcast studio and just delivering everything you've done for the past, you know, 20 years. Um, you know, there's not many, there's not many opportunities to be in those seats. So I was definitely appreciative. And I think more than anything, like I learned so much in that time. DJ, you know, you know best how that production and, you know, studio and broadcast goals because you're always behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, like, there's just so much to learn and I enjoyed it, man. I, I loved it. I loved every minute of it, every minute of it. And, and you know, looking forward to doing a lot more um, and continuing to grow on a bigger scale and, and so forth. But it was great. And, you know, hats off to the 905. They had a tremendous season finishing first in the G League. Um, you know, unfortunately, it didn't end the way they wanted to. Uh, and, and you have to commend Coach Rotumbo in his first year as a head coach, like they really accomplish a lot. And, and again, you know, coming off a year where, you know, the 905 were named NBA's GD team of the year, uh, you know, this, this year plays right into that with them accomplishing what they, what they did. Outstanding. And, and you know, I, I love to hear it. Um, I love seeing you transition into being a big time broadcaster in this yeah. country. Shout out to my boy, Patrick Choi, who I know is your producer, um, a great friend of mine and really happy to see him in that position producing those games. I think he's going to be a fabulous producer. And you are already a great broadcaster, Shep. He's a rock star in the making, man. <laughs> what was that? What was this that guy came out a rock star. <laughs> Indeed, didn't he? Best dressed, too. Came out of the moon looking fresh. He, uh, he's hey, just, Shep, what was it like for you in this, in, this, in this broadcasting day and age where everything is, is, is virtual now? What was that experience like for you? Funny enough, I didn't know any different. Right, right. Like, right. So for me, like it was, a, it was tough. It was tough in just adjusting, and you know, even having to get this set up here, and uh-huh. you know, 
Wi-Fi cutting out and just being able to, okay, we have to, you have to be texting back and forth while you know, your producer is getting um, highlight, a highlight pack together and just mm -hmm. talking, not even seeing the highlight and, and just working through that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's like, uh, that's, uh, that's got to be a difficult way to enter the game, man. And, and Gigi, speaking from, exactly. Speaking from experience, would you say that this is feasible going forward for both of you and it's exponentially more difficult than being on a physical location or or would you say some of that aspects of it are a little bit easier? I think you have to go back to physical because there's so much yeah. technical difficulties that, that happen. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the general audience probably didn't pick up on it, but it was, you know, it's... It, it's a little shabby because from from the from from a, a fan standpoint, it sounds pretty smooth when you're watching and you're listening. It sounds it, but I tell yeah. you, who's been a big help too through all this was Leo. Like, okay, as okay. soon as you text Leo, he's picking up. He need he, he will always have advice. Right, and I think that made it so much more seamless. Yeah, um, because you have that support and you have that support from the best, right? So that's Good, man. you know. You know, with that that's comforting in that aspect. It mm -hmm. alleviates all the stresses that may, you may be going through. And then, you know, I spoke to some of the producers and the, the execs of the of MLSE's um, production side of things, and uh -huh. they pretty much reiterated that, look, this is the hardest it will ever get because you're doing this on the fly. You know, everybody's right. learned to go along, and you're doing it remote. Shit, so it's downhill out. for you from here, man. Right. You got thrown so, out of the fire early. That's great. So it's it's cool from that aspect. I mean, I'm, I'm holding that as some form of comfort, I guess. But it, it was yeah. difficult. It was challenging, but it was fun. And like like you know, like hoops is is fun, man. Like we make this. Sometimes we overthink it. We put too much pressure on ourselves. But when we're associated at any capacity with basketball and can make that a living, huge. You're you're you're. It's fun. It's pretty. Yeah, hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. I mean, that's why we're here, right? Right. It, it, it's a it's a good way to live, Andy. To answer <laughs> your question, I do think uh -huh. as the world opens up, you'll see guys like Shep at the games, especially the home games. You know, mm -hmm. Raptors nine hundred five. You got to feel like they'll be playing out of their home arena by the next season. The question really is going to be, where is the the technology set up? Are are the producers, directors, and techs going to travel, or will they continue? bringing in feeds, you know, as you said to, to the audience, it seems pretty smooth. You almost can't yeah. tell the difference. And so what, what does it come down to? It comes down to money. And if um, a lot of these teams and companies realize you can bring in the tech without sending everybody there and it brings down the costs considerably, that mm -hmm. that's going to be a, a huge change moving forward uh, mm -hmm. in the business. Guys, one, one thing that, that happened in the past week was, uh, the All-Star break, the NBA's back in action now. But I remember talking in the weeks leading up to it, maybe we felt like it shouldn't happen. Some of the players were were against it. Andy, let, let's start with you. What was your favorite aspect of, of the All-Star game, that All-Star Sunday night that actually did take place? I, to be honest with you, I don't know if I had a favorite moment. It, it all seemed very... Uh, guys seem reluctant to be there. Guys seem reluctant to put in the effort. Um, obviously, it's it's fun to get eyes on the NBA's best. Um, obviously, there is some entertainment value in it and seeing Team LeBron take it over Team Durant. But, you know, even in the skills challenge, you can see Luka kind of half-assing it. You know, nobody really put forth the effort, and it seemed as though they were forced to be there. And I, and I think that took away from, from some of the pageantry of All-Star Weekend. Even the dunk contest was was pretty regular. Obviously, you didn't have you know, your studs in there. 
that normally would be competing. And I think that's because of the lack of uh, fans and and uh, and, and uh, just general atmosphere in general. So um, I understand that the NBA needed to do it, you know, from a business perspective, you know, losing so much revenue and, uh, you know, All-Star Be- Weekend being one of their biggest uh, uh, streams of, of revenue. So I don't know. I, I think from, from you know, uh, I guess a casual, now we're calling it these days, a casual fan's perspective, it would be pretty entertaining. But from somebody who's played the game and, and obviously, you know, us who talk about the game regularly, I think it was a little bit disappointing. I agree. I think it was just something to do when there was nothing to do. And you mm-hmm. can see that in the players, um, even the, the whole setup. I, I, I like things a bit more traditional. So when now when you have dunk contests, you have skills comp and the three-point shootout all in mm-hmm. packed into you know, six hours. It's like, yeah. mm-hmm, this yeah. is probably not, this is not for me. Like right. I was still looking forward to, you know, Saturday night, Hey, skills competition and, and so forth. Uh, and dunk off. But, you know, I, I mean, if I had to take any positive from it, I think that the, in the game, they're a bit more competitive right out the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that would have been the only uh, thing I got. I would say, is, hey, I, I enjoyed that. But, with that being said, they could have done without. I think we could have done a better job in you know, giving guys rest, especially in this condensed season. Um, but to your point, Andy, I, I get it. Like the, the NBA has to recoup so much money um, from what is obviously what we've all been experiencing over the last yeah. year. So, yeah. so uh, with that being said, I, I understand. And going forward, it'll help us get back to some normalcy. So mm-hmm. um, I guess just looking ahead, it, it helps in that case. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, the most entertaining part of it was probably Steph winning the three-point contest, which yeah. I love to see. I love the best scene, seeing the best win. It reminded me of Bird, you know? Yeah. And then kind of Steph and Dame having this, being on the same team for once and coming across half court and just launching it. You know, these are yeah. the two guys who set, who really set the standard for what is the new three-point shot. And to see them execute it so flawlessly, it kind of makes you think about, okay, well, if they hit it with this regularity, are they going to put in a four-point play? Like, should right. they put in a four-point play, five-point play from half court, something like that? That well, could change the face had, of the game. I would have had no value. I would have had zero value. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, you would have been in that dunk. Pushing you further and further out of the game. Pushing you further and further out. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny, AR? would have adjusted, bad. man. You would have adjusted. Oh, hell no. What I seen was, uh, and I kind of laughed when Paul George sent out that tweet, I believe it was. I, I think it was a tweet. And uh, referencing Dame's half-court shot a couple years ago in, in the playoff. Yeah, that's and right. Him closing this, this all-star game with, the, with that uh, half-court shot or logo Dame shot. <laughs> and the same exact, <laughs> same, exact, same exact way he sent out and OKC, man. That was incredible. Like, I guess it was a good shot. Referring. <laughs> <laughs> it was a I good shot in the playoffs, and it was a good shot in the all-star game. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. On, on Sunday night... I watched the Oprah Winfrey interview with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. That, that's, that's where I'm at in life now. And I watched the All-Star Game on mon- uh, Monday morning. And um, I, I loved seeing the lineup when it was Steph, Chris Paul, and Dame Lillard out there. Loved it. And I loved the back-to-back uh, alley-oops, Curry, and Paul. Yeah, that's right. Who knew? Um, I, I, exactly. I, I don't know if I've ever seen Chris Paul dunk. And CP's I, what? In his like 16th, 15th, 16th yeah, year? Man. For him to get up like that is impressive. Still got wings. Yeah. And, and I, I really enjoyed, it was only for a few minutes, but I enjoyed seeing LeBron and Curry 
as teammates. I did too. That, that had to be the first time. So, you know, it, it was those, those mixes and matches and permutations I, I thought was pretty cool, but I, I was a bit alarmed. I mean, I, I know it's just the all-star game, but I think it is indicative of, of basketball. I mean, it was just threes and dunks. There was nothing else. They're not even attempting another skill set other than those two things. I mean, it's great. I think the final score was like once I was wondering if they were going to get to 200 at one point, but I mean, what basketball is just threes and dunks right now. No. Yeah. And it's kind of weird because it doesn't look that much different than normal games with the exception of how yeah. hard they play. You know, it's like you come down, jack up a shot. I didn't get my shot. I'm feeling in a rhythm. Just going to like the game has changed significantly. And I think a little bit for the worse because it looks like a very individualized sport at this point. You know, it looks like we're missing that element of team, team team basketball, you know? There's too many threes, man. For each team jacking 40 threes a game regular season, it's it's just, it's unreal. Yeah. G, go tell the, um, the analytics that. We'll see what they say to you. Um, <laughs> they, ne- they never listen to me. That goes the back. The Moneyball boys. Yeah, money. They're all Moneyballs now. Um, let's uh, let's get into some of the some of the recent games after the All Star break on uh, on Thursday night. Uh, you had a full slate of of games in the league. The Phoenix Suns continue to roll. Devin Booker dropped thirty five. They beat the Blazers. Shep. Are you still not sold on the Suns? They look so good right whoa, now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Right We're stopping right there. We are going to stop right there. You guys okay. laughed at me for this. You guys laughed at me for this. And they're 17 out of 28. They've won 17 out of the last 20, man. I think, you know, they're just playing out of their mind. I actually say out of their mind. They're playing comfortable now. They're playing comfortable. They're playing confident basketball. And I, I, I like the growth in Booker, man. I, I really like the growth yeah. in Booker. And, I, and I'm seeing... You know they're they're years apart, but I see what what Chris Paul how Chris Paul has has impacted um, Book. He's just you know a bit more stable, a bit more consistent, and you know that's the same sort of thing I seen in Shea last year when when Chris Paul was in Oklahoma. So I know Ar is not really a Chris Paul fan. No, I can't say that I am. <laughs> he's not a fan. You got to respect it though. He wins everywhere he goes. You, you have to respect the guy. He wins. He, he, he wins. He, he competes. Let's get. <laughs> thanks, thanks Wanger. Yeah, ish. I see Wanger in the back, but yeah. you know they're sitting second in the West, and and I think the two biggest changes they made were Crowder and and Chris Paul, two guys that are are vets and two guys that are um, you know winners at in, in at some capacity, and they they brought that mentality to this team, and that I mean that's a that's a quick turnaround. They've also just you know rolled the wave of how they played in the bubble, mm-hmm. um, you know, a couple months ago. So it's good to see you, man. So I'm glad you guys are on board now, DG especially. He, Wait, uh, weren't you the ones, weren't you the one telling us you don't see no, them winning around no, in the playoffs? No. <laughs> We're going to have to check the tape no, on this. I think, I think you said they have no chance. We can, we can check, the check the We're tape. We're checking the tape. Check Producer the tape. Dan Wong. We're going to have to check some tape check on this. That was killing the Suns. Andy, what what do you think? Do you think they could be a a threat to even one of the LA teams in a playoff round? Definitely, they're they're, they're a dangerous team, and I think as Shep alluded to, like what they did in the bubble is just carried over. I, I think they found I think they found themselves in there. They found their stride. They found their confidence, and they put some pieces around D Book. 
And bringing in Chris Paul is is, is huge because he knows exactly what to do with talent when he's surrounded by it. Um, you know, especially with young guys. You saw what he did with SGA, you know, and now he's taking, not that he's per se taking D-Book under his wing, but having a veteran like that on his side is only going to, you know, stand to make him infinitely better. And I think that, you know, D-Book, we're seeing his evolution right now. He's he's, he's taking that Kobe mentality. I watched a, a mini documentary on him recently, and, you know, he said Kobe had called him in, you know, to talk to him after one of the post-game, uh, or post-game, one of the, one of the uh, during la- the last seasons that he played. Um, said he thought it would only be a couple minute conversation. It turned into like a, a 20, 25 minute conversation just about where he needs to go, you know, what he saw in him. And imagine you have that conversation with Kobe. He pulls you aside. I mean, your, your confidence is going to be, you're going to be untouchable at that point. Yeah. So to already have the skills, the raw talent that he has, coupled with the confidence given to him by one of the NBA's all time greatest players, I mean, the sky's the limit for him. I see him being a future two time MVP potentially. I just see that in him, depending on if he can get these wins. And I think Monty Williams has done a great job of cultivating a winning atmosphere. You know, their their organization seemed to be the problem initially. But now that they're putting in the right pieces, the right uh, people in the organization, I think that, you know, the future is looking bright for the Suns, no pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Deep, deep intel on the Phoenix Suns there by by ARI. I agree with literally every word you just said there. And uh, yeah, the, the Suns are a threat. And the mm. fact that they added those veteran pieces, Shep, you alluded to it. You said Crowder and Paul, to, you know, that that makes all the difference. They're they're in position to win. You know, they could win the West this year. Who knows? It's uh, weird I, to see Utah and Phoenix at, at one and two. Yeah. Especially yeah. with yeah, <laughs> the L.A. teams doing what they've done to, to both of their rosters. Especially with, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. L.A., L.A., well, Phoenix is, has made moves too, but, you sure. know, they... It's it really centers around Devin Booker. And, We're talking and that, about those markets that are just exponentially different. You know? But totally. AR, you know what you know what I like about that too is that I think and and you guys you know mentioned it earlier the NBA game has been just threes and and dunks for the longest time, right? Both those teams have big men, right? Yeah, you have yeah. your Gobert, you have uh, Aiden, DeAndre Aiden, yeah, and then even in the, in, even in the East you have your know, Sixers, number one team. Um, Embiid, I I like to see basketball get back to this place where you have the big men that you know you dump in the side, you play inside outside, you have a balanced attack. Now I really know this guy's been talking to Leo. (laughs) (laughs) That old school mentality. To be honest with you, though, if you think about it, really the way to utilize the three ball is to play inside out. I mean that's that's the way to open yourself up for 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 more consistent wide open shots. So yeah, I'm fully in agreement with you, Chef. And I, I think Utah, if I'm not mistaken, Utah actually leads the NBA in, in three points. They have to. They got Joe Ingles. Right. He's out there right? just cash money. It's like what you're saying. <laughs> you get the Mitchell in uh, or Conley in that ball screen with with big boy Gobert. Yep, Gobert. I think everything collapsed like. Yeah. The defense has to collapse and help. And if mm-hmm. not, these guys are knocking knocking shit down like at a sure. high clip at that. So oh, yeah. I think that, that big man is so important, even if it's not even if you don't want to play through the big man, but yeah. you have to use that to impact the game and influence the game. Alternatively, and, and, yeah, go ahead. Certainly on the defensive end, right? I mean that's yeah. that's secret for Utah. I, I think as we go down and get closer to the playoffs, it's gonna be an interesting question for us to assess. Who do you think, you know, we won't do it now, but it'll be who do you think goes further 
in the playoffs between Utah or Phoenix. I mean, they really, like you mentioned Philadelphia, those three really have been the most consistent teams since, uh, since the beginning of the year. Let's, uh, let's go to another player that Shep hasn't traditionally been super high on. And that's Dame Lillard. Um, He's unstoppable at 29.8 and eight assists a game. The Blazers have been hanging around despite the foot injury to CJ McCollum. And I bring them up because they've done it in the past. They did get to the West Finals in 2019. They're sitting in sixth. I'm pretty sure we'll all agree that they'll make the playoffs. Shep, I'll start with you because I singled you out. Are the Blazers going to make noise? Are the Blazers going to win around in the playoffs this year? I think they're going to do exactly what you said. What they've been doing is that they've been hanging around. They're going to make it competitive. They're going to, you know, pull out some games. They're going to make it exciting. Dane, Dane's going to pull up to the logo and 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 hit a couple threes. <laughs> um, but I want to see them, and that's my only reservation with Dame. I want to see him get over the hump. Now. Like I want to see yes. him turn that corner and become a winner, right? Like we know. But like, hasn't he? He he has no help. Uh, I mean, he is such a winner. He's such a brilliant that, okay, player. So let me, let me overachieve. Let me reverse that. Is that going to be an excuse? And is that going to be his story for the, his career? That's just not where I want to see him. So mm-hmm. I, I can understand that. But other guys make their teammates better. Is well, I'm not saying that he doesn't. But at some point, you have to get over that. Get past that. I don't have anybody. And get the job done, get it done, and just be able, just become a winner. Or then you're going to have the same story as a teammate of his in Carmelo. <laughs> shocking. Right. Shocking that you have such two polarizing teammates, on this, you know, guys on the same team. Because mm-hmm. Melo's always been a me guy, and I feel as though... No, not to say that. Melo's a winner through and through. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he's he's been about his numbers. Mm-hmm. And I feel as though he's changed. He's 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 really kind of I don't even know his his whole demeanor has changed. If you watch him play, he's accepted a six man role. Yep. You know, and 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 to me that speaks volumes about Dame's effect on him. You know, mm-hmm. Dame's effect on you know seeing that it doesn't matter. You know, we're all here to do one thing, and that's win, and that's eat, and that's what I love about Dame, and that's why he's my early candidate for the second half of the season for MVP. Mm-hmm. Because wow. to do what he's doing, averaging 30 points a game, four rebounds, eight assists, the most impressive thing about it is that he's doing this in the Western Conference without Nurkic, without CJ McCollum. Zach Collins is out as well. I mean, like, not to say he's a significant part of the roster, but it's still a piece. So I think it's about time we give Dan the respect he deserves. And if they can steal at least one series win, I think he's a lock for MVP, just based off. You know, roster, the thing, the availability, and, and and his his personal play this year, in my opinion. You know what's crazy? I'm actually usually guys, you know, former players, usually like guys that they 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 could see themselves playing with. Yeah, I don't I, like. <laughs> how often would Dame be giving you the ball? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> my 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 love for Dame, I think it, it comes from his originality, his his genuineness. I think that. He is who he is. He accepts that. He embraces it. He's not one of those guys who's seeking out yeah. teams to be great. He's building greatness around him. And and and, and his commitment to Portland is, is what I really think that I embody as a player. I would have loved to stay with one team and build mm-hmm. and build. 
as opposed to going to find new situations to win. And, and I, and I think that, that not being a big market. Exactly. Exactly. This is Portland we're talking about. So, yeah. you know, in this day and age where guys are jumping ship, you know, just to win a ring, you have to respect what Dame is doing there. And, and, and I think he's, he's old school in that mentality and his approach. You know, he's Oakland to his core. He's Portland to his core. And you got to respect a guy like that. For sure. For sure. I think, like I said, I think my only reservations, I want to see him win, though. Like, I want to see him get over that hump. I, like, I agree. I don't want the story to end like the, I shouldn't even say end like the Russell West course because his story is still being written. But yeah, guys right. of that nature who, you know, when you look at what they've accomplished, accomplished from a statistical standpoint, yeah. amazing. But then there's always going to be that asterisk or that question mark to say, why didn't, why didn't, why weren't they able to accomplish yeah. or why didn't they win? Like, I don't want that for Dame because he, he's also, he has so much humility even when exactly. he's you know, on top. So, yeah, I think it, it, don't get it misconstrued, DJ. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't dislike Dame. I just want to see Dame win. I want to, because at the end of the day, when it comes down to those Hall of Fame, you know, votes, a lot of times it's, you know, where are those rings at? Yeah. You know, and it would be a shame to see them miss out on something like that, even though I don't think they will. Well, yeah, I, I I think Dame is an amazing player. Look, you look at LeBron, he's won his championships with Dwayne Wade, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis. You just you just can't do it alone. I think that what, what Lillard has accomplished in his time in Portland um, is, is actually incredible. And I don't think he's going to get MVP this year, but I think he is one of the most dynamic scorers in the league and – I said it earlier. I said unstoppable, and I don't. I don't think there's anyone in basketball who can guard this guy. Um, one guard who really has an impact on his team is Marcus Smart. He returned to the lineup for the Boston Celtics Thursday, first time since January 30th. Drops 19 in a loss to the Nets. Kyrie had 40. Not much you can do there. Um, Andy, how much does does Marcus Smart's return? mean to a Celtics team that really was just starting to find its way back before the all-star break? Um, to me, to me, Marcus Smart is, is the equivalent of, of Jimmy Butler to Miami. I know it's, it's a, you know, a common comparison, but I, I think he's their motor. He's their verbal leader and, and easily the league's best flopper. So when you have that on your side, you know, you, you, you have confidence and in, in, in more confidence in your team, you know, to play with a different, you know, look, it's 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 almost like it's the, you know the, the old he's the older brother at the park when the younger brothers are getting picked on. That that's the best analogy I can come up with, and that's what the storyline has been essentially with Boston is that you know the young guys really aren't ready to carry the you know, you know their team as, as superstars, but they play significantly better and more confidently when they have their verbal and defensive leader on the floor. And, and uh, you know, Brad Stevens knows that as well. You know, he's one of the best defensive players in the league, and, and they just really feed off his energy. So I think that. You know, the locker room will change. That dynamic will change, especially getting them out there on the floor. And they could be a different team the second half of the season, especially with, you know, potential trades they could acquire. Yeah, I agree. I think that's their pit bull. That's their, mm-hmm. you know, despite him not being, you're right, he may not be the most talented guy. He's probably not going to hit you many shots. Mm-hmm. But what he's going to give you is the, the intangibles that don't show up on the score sheet. What he's going to give you is that, that personality that, um, is infectious amongst in character that's infectious amongst his teammates and really that motor, right? Like every team needs a guy that's, I think every team needs a knucklehead that's going to check guys and hold guys 100%. Yep. or, you know, a guy that's a high motor that's going to, you know, he's going to probably dribble the ball off his foot a couple of times. And it's gonna <laughs> like, what are you doing? But 
he's also the guy that's going to dive for a loose ball and possession guy, possession. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. he's going to dive at 50-50 loose balls. He's going to, you know, he's going to take an elbow in the nose for the team, and he's also going to be, you know, if somebody knocks one of his players, his star players to the floor, he's going to be the first to step up and and, and sacrifice himself for that mm-hmm. star, mm-hmm. right? So. Um, and he'd be the first one to put his body in front of somebody if they were getting, you know, some kind of altercation. You know it. Right. So to have that guy behind you is like that's, you know, it's kind of like Aaron Dornicamp. Like how oh, AB, literally the first man like, I was thinking of when you mentioned this. AB, he's the bruiser, man. He's, he's, he's the, the bruiser, guy will like, do anything. To how win. lost would we have been without AB? Not oh most, yeah. Hey, not the most talented, but. He Mind knows. you, he's still the only one still playing at a Euro League level at right now out of all of us. Right. So we can't we can't say anything. AD right. has been you know the poster child for consistency, and he's the guy I would legitimately take first on any roster that I build because you know that he's going to have everybody's back. He's going to work his ass off, and, and you can say the same things about Marcus Smart, hundred percent. Because of that compete level, yep. they they can play any position. Like, when you think yep. of Marcus Smart, I don't know what position he plays. Because I've seen him guard one, two, three. I've seen him shoot the basketball over the shot clock. So yep. I, mean, I know he's not a two. <laughs> but no, he competes, man. And, and I think that that raised the level to any team. And, and this team yeah. definitely needs it because we've seen their struggles. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting comparison. Maybe the first time Marcus Smart has been compared to Aaron Dornicamp. But the fact that let's you got... Let's get Aaron missing. <laughs> That's right. It, it makes me believe that uh, you got you guys are on the money there. And look, I I I don't think the Celtics beat the Toronto Raptors in that playoff series last year without what without what Marcus Smart did. I thought he was a huge disruptive force in that series. And you know maybe Tatum and Brown did the heavy lifting in terms of scoring, but Smart was uh, you know super valuable to the Celtics. And I, I agree. I think they're a better team with him on the court. The problem with him is he has to stay on the court. He plays so aggressively, sacrificing his body with so much hustle. He does have a tendency to to have to miss games. Hey, uh, uh, DG, before you go real quick, just quick shout out to AD, uh, Aaron Dornikamp, who's been doing his thing overseas, you know, kind of out of sight, out of mind sometimes here in Toronto, but he's, he's the consummate professional. We're all super proud of him. We love you, buddy. Keep doing your thing out there. Fourth in the ACB right now at Tenerife, so... Shout out AD man, one of my one of my really good buddies, Michigan. Nice, okay. European basketball update right that, there. Former national team guy as well. Former national mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. We might have to get some more of that, guys. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, the, the name of our show is Gym Rats and Joints. Dan Gladman here along with Javon Shepard and Andy Routens. Uh, we have a sponsor, Henderson Brewery in Toronto, the best beer is the beer you love. Let's do some hashtag T-D-I-T-R-H. This date in Toronto Raptors history, I know I was there. March 13th, 2006, 
15 years ago. I cannot believe it. The Raptors beat the Philadelphia 76ers 128-110 on a Sunday afternoon at home at the Air Canada Centre, as it was called at the time. This is the game where Danielle Marshall hit an NBA record-tying 12 three-pointers, accounting for 36 of his 38 points. At that moment, he tied the record set by Kobe Bryant of the Lakers three years previously. It was tied and broken 10 years later by Steph Curry, and it's now held by Klay Thompson, who hit 14 threes in a game. I will always remember Leo Routens telling me the Sixers did not even attempt to guard Marshall until he was on the verge of hitting his 13th three, which would have given him the record. And I specifically remember the Sixers sending Kyle Korver out there to just get in his face and not let him get a shot off on, under any circumstances. Danielle was one of the coolest guys on the Raptors traveling party, always approachable on the bus or plane, an awesome dude and one of my favorite Raptors of all time. This has been this date in Toronto Raptors history. I know I was there. Check it out on Twitter at the hashtag TDITRH. And uh, let's, uh, let's, let's stick with the Raptors because I think there's, there's such a big topic in terms of trade deadline right now. There's a lot of hot rumors. They're almost all about Kyle Lowry. We're, we're two weeks away to the trade deadline at May 26th, I believe. Lowry was recently quoted saying he will retire a Raptor, but the question is, will he finish the season as a Raptor? Shep, what do you got? It's a tough one, man. This is a tough one because Kyle Lowry means so much to this organization, and he's done a really good job in the media of silencing rumors, um, putting them to to rest. So you really have no idea what's going on um, behind behind the scenes. Uh, you know what? I think if you're looking long-term, uh, you're, you move him. Uh, you move him and, you know, build something where build something where you can bring him back around in, in a year or two. And, and like he says, be able to uh, retire a Raptor. I just don't, I'm just thinking from a, a, you know, a body standpoint and father time is that the load that Kyle has to carry here, I don't know if that's best for his career. Forget, take the Raptors out of the equation, but, you know, for him to be, you know, 30 minutes or, you know, 28 minutes plus a game uh, and really carrying the weight of this team, it's going to be, it's, it'll be tough on him. I, I, and I think if he has any intention of playing, you know, for another five years at this level, he has, he'll end up taking a lesser role with a team that's, you know, competitive. Uh, that being said, it helps the Raptors as well, as well, right? Clears up some space. It allows them to bring in maybe some some youth or some pieces that they may need and shift guys over. I also think, from just a team standpoint, he's been the leader to all these guys, right? So it's hard for them to play with him and then you know step on his toes in a sense. It's the same as you know when they're talking about bringing back Demar Derozan, and I don't think that would be a great mix here because all these guys he was he was the guy for them. You know they all came into their own ones. Uh, you know, the Raptors have moved in. You see Pascal moved up instead of coming to his own and, and all the other guys. So it's similar to a situ- this situation like Kyle with, with Lowry. I don't think you're going to see the best bad feet. I don't think you're going to see the best norm if Big Bro is still here because Big Bro, is never, the roles are never going to ro- reverse. Uh, he's not going to become the guy that's com- coming off the bench tomorrow. So I think for the growth of the team, you may have to move him. Um, 
but you know, bring him back, like he says later on down the line. Hmm. I don't know. It's it's, it's tough to say because 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 Kyle's playing really good basketball right now. You know, he's he's average. He has averages of what eighteen six and and seven. I mean, it, it's pretty much you know par for the course for his career. He's thirty four right now. Um, I still think he's got a couple solid years left. And, and, you know, coming from personal experience of being around him in training camp, this guy takes care of his body. You know, he's, he's committed to the game. Uh, I think that he has, you know, still a solid couple of years left on a contender. Um, but the thing is now I think he'll finish the season with Toronto, you know, from a financial standpoint, I don't think teams are going to really want to touch that 30, $33 million a year price tag at this point in time. Like, they could just wait to the end of the season to see if they could potentially snag him as a free agent. But, you know, Kyle has been, Kyle has been everything to Toronto. You know, I think that he's has the exact right sentiments of, you know, whatever happens happens. But at the end of the day, he'll ultimately come back to Toronto and retire as a Raptor as he should. You know, he, I think he deserves a statue out front for all his, uh, all that he's done for this organization. Well, I, I certainly believe uh, what you said there, Andy, and, and he is the, the GROAT, the G-R-O-A-T, the greatest Raptor of all time. That's in, indisputable. The, cr- the crazy thing is, and it's been, it's been a, a struggle for the Raptors this season, but it's been a struggle for almost every team in the league. Um, I still, while I can see the Raptors finishing 500 and maybe eighth or ninth, I also see a path for them to the East finals. And I think if they, I think if they can finish in sixth and Milwaukee finishes in third and Philadelphia Philadelphia finishes in second, I I just, I like one hand of me, I can see the Raptors barely making the playoffs and another hand, if they get Milwaukee and Philly, I could see them, you know, getting to the East finals where I think they would be handled easily by the nets. But Durant could be injured or someone could be injured and you know, who who knows? So in in a way I, I I think they should hold on to Kyle, but on an, in another way, they've just lost so many great players assets without anything coming back in return. I don't think you can risk losing another all-star caliber player, a potential and likely hall of famer without getting any sort of asset in return, even a draft pick. And it, if, if Lowry walks away at the end of the year as a free agent, that's what's going to happen. In terms of the trade, um, it, it looks like the, the organization is working with him. If he wants it, I feel like they'll do it. If he wants to stay, I, I, I feel like they're going to keep him. Um, some, some other names are out on the, on the rumor mill and the, these are actually more definitive route moves right now. The Marcus Aldridge and the San Antonio Spurs oh, you know. have, have uh, parted ways. Shep, where do you think a, a good landing spot for LA will be? Toronto. Oh, <laughs> okay. I had a little experience, a little depth. Yeah, a little experience. A little That's a, but then you're, but if you do that, then you're going all in on competing this year and you're keeping Lowry. But I, I, I agree with you. I, I actually think, think that's I a think fabulous move. If you can snag him, then that changes things. Then you compete this year. But if, if you're not in a position to, to, to compete this year, then, you know, you have to look at every other, every other angle. So, uh, you know, Lamarcus is one of those players. He's, he's paid his dues, man. He's done his time. Um, and a guy that is really inside, outside. 
um, just diverse. So I think you would, you would add an element that the rappers don't have and a presence that they don't really have right now. So I think that would be a, a good pickup um, and an experience, man. You can't get enough experience, especially if you're part of the Mm-hmm. No, I mean from especially the, to both of the front court. I think that's kind of been their Achilles' heel this this year is 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 their 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 uh, paint play. But I mean, this is a guy who's definitely on the downswing of his career. You know, he's averaging fourteen and five on a twenty four million dollar deal, so it's a hefty price tag for for those kind of numbers. But you know, at the end of the day, there's no substitute for experience. He's a proven winner. You know, he's been in, in all the right organizations. Uh, to come here and, and, and be a locker room leader. You know, that's tough to do midseason as well. But I think at the end of the day, the Raps, you know, they, they do need help in that category. And I think he would be a great addition. Uh, I, I think that's a really intriguing... Uh, Something I didn't think about before. Yeah, it's a good yeah I didn't. I, I actually was thinking about him potentially going back to Portland. Yeah, and, I heard he was... Uh, Reuniting, you know, he. Ne- I never thought he should have left. You know, he had his reasons for being unhappy there. But by the time he got to San Antonio, it, that situation wasn't going great. Um, you know, the Nets signed Blake Griffin. Do you think they might regret that decision now that Aldridge and PJ Tucker are are available? Uh, not necessarily, because I think they're different. I think you know, if you have Aldridge. That's another guy that, that needs to play with the basketball. Obviously, he's not just you know the shade of what he was before, but I, I still believe that Blake is a guy that just now you can he can get back to just rolling, finishing around the basket. Again, there's not as much demand for him to play lengthy minutes or you know need points from him. You have you you have enough offense. You need guys down low around the rim that's going to they're going to finish to keep the defense honest. So I think. With him now, at this point, his career lessons Again, I has a lot of experience, an all-star. This this team is, is tough. This team is really tough to be in. We talk about the defense again, but hey, at the end of the day, whoever scores, scores sports wins. And, and they have guys, even though you know Blake's a little older now, he's not as athletic as he used to be. But he has enough experience to know how and when to get a bucket and pick spots with guys at the score. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask you guys. What do you what, what do you think? Blake Griffin has left in the tank. I, I don't even think he. I don't even think he registered a dunk since last season. He's only averaging twelve points. And, and, you know, obviously, you know, being in Detroit was a miserable situation for him. This is a guy who's accustomed to a much different lifestyle. You know, uh, and, and being able to play above the rim at a, at, a, at a regular clip. So, what what do, what does Brooklyn really get out of him? You know, I, I, I think I think you're right, Chef. They get that. They get that entertainment value, whereas, you know, it's kind of lob. You know, it, it's kind of like a no-lose situation because you have enough already, and now you have an embarrassment of riches. It's, it's yeah. just for to bolster that star power. And, and you know, you know, he was good buddies with DeAndre Jordan in L.A. Yeah. too. I think there was a little bit of pull from him there as well. I just think those guys are going to have so little to do because at any given point, you, you're going to have Kyrie in a ball screen. You're going to have mm-hmm. KD on the perimeter or James on mm-hmm. the perimeter. Mm-hmm. they're always going to be the weakest link. So their defender, like his defender, DeAndre's defender, is going to be mm-hmm. always the one helping off, um, you know, in a pick-and-roll situation where you're guarding the, 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 the person with the, the basketball going downhill, mm-hmm. and they're always going to be wide open because, mm-hmm. you know, anybody on the weak side or anybody on the perimeter has to fan out. and They have to. Hard. Yeah. yeah, so you just have to catch the ball and lay up. I think the perfect role for those guys is, 
Can you catch? And can you play the basketball? If you don't have yeah. the hands, it's, this is not the team for you. It's just it's Lob City 2.0 plus five that's years. It. <laughs> yeah. That's it. A lot of mileage. If yeah. you can catch, you still have enough juice for this team. Fair enough. Guys, uh, selections to the Basketball Hall of Fame are going to be announced on May the 16th, a couple of months. Um, some names among the finalists include Chris Bosch, Paul Pierce, Coach Rick, Rick Adelman, Bill Russell as a coach. He's obviously already in as a player. Chris Weber and Ben Wallace remain on the list. Shep, I know who you like here. A- Andy, who, who do you like most? out of the current Hall of Fame finalists? And who would, of all of them, who would get your vote to go in? I got to say, I got to say for me, it's, it's, it's Bill Russell as a head coach. You know, he, he, he broke barriers as the first black head coach in NBA history as well as the first black coach to win an NBA championship. He won those two chips consecutively in his first year in 68 and 69, which is, you know, to step in from a player to, to, to a coach you know, that transition is not easy. So for him to do it so seamlessly and win two back-to-back is just, it's incredible. And he finished with a career record of 341 and 290. Um, and he would be only one of three players who are inducted as players and coaches, the other two being the legendary Lenny Wilkins and Tom Heinsohn, who was also named Rookie of the Year over Bill Russell. And he coached, played, and broadcasted for the Celtics for over 30 years. So he's in some pretty elite company. And I think he's most deserving of the nod this year. Wait, how many people, I tried to look this up, how many people get inducted every year? Yeah, I don't know. I think it depends on a certain number of votes. It's, it's hard Strange. to understand the criteria, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I don't understand why Chris Weber isn't in already. You know, like Mitch Richmond is in the Hall of Fame. How, how is Chris <laughs> yeah. Weber? <laughs> yeah. I agree with AR. I, you know, I'm all about breaking barriers. And yep. the fact that Bill Russell was, you know, the first head, first black head coach um, in the NBA, like that, that opened doors for, you know, minor, not just black but minorities on a whole and, and so forth. So I think if you're looking from that from that lens, you know, he's a nod because like he gets a nod because, you know, he changed the landscape. He gave, you know, guys like we had Nathaniel Mitchell on there. He he gave a guy like him. Um, you know, reason to to believe, a reason to know that you know what he's what he's trying to accomplish is possible. So I'm I'm huge on that. If I'm looking at it from uh, you know the rest of the list, I, I say Paul Pierce because we just grew up watching. Yeah, him, right. Let's say so from players' perspective, you got to get yeah, Paul Pierce to perspective. Not. Yeah, we grew up with those battles, and again, we grew up watching Vince Carter and him battling. Right. That was <laughs> that was our time, like our our basketball. That's that what's made ba- that's what made basketball real for us um, growing up here and so forth. Uh, but no, to, you know, to touch back on the Bill Russell and change and, and breaking barriers and things like that. The Raptors this week also um, announced that they're going to have a, an all women broadcast. Mm-hmm. I think that was, you know, that's forward thinking. That's tremendous. And, and I think that's again, kicking down walls, um, kicking down doors, breaking down walls. And breaking barriers because for those women that are going to be on that and on that broadcast, and I've had a chance to work with a couple of them as well, uh, they change the perspective. They change how little girls and women um, used to view sports, sport media, and, and now they know that they have a place, they have opportunity, and you have to tip your hat to the Raptors organization for just opening up that space for them. Mm-hmm. De- definitely uh, a solid move. I was really happy to uh, to read that news. 
a little more news uh, just come in being dropped by our producer, Dan Wong. Uh, the Fraser Valley Bandits, uh, the basketball team in the CEBL, the Canadian Elite Basketball League, uh, have appointed former Los Angeles Laker Robert Sacre as assistant hey. general manager. And uh, I know you guys know Bobby Sacre well, and he was a guest on Jim Rats and Joints, uh, you know, One earlier in our – yeah, what, what, do you, what do you guys you, – you know, he's now someone who you're kind of competing with uh, in your front office positions. What do you think of this uh, this announcement? Yeah. The Fraser Valley just got shot with a huge <laughs> dose of adrenaline right to the heart. Sacre is going to take over in Fraser Valley, but really excited for him. I'm really happy to see that the CEBL is is on this wave, and and I think we're getting a lot of you know validated you know uh, you know high end players that are becoming you know turning into management, and, and I think that's the, the the trend that the league is going towards, and. and um, it, it's great to see guys who are from Canada want to be affiliated with this league as Shep and I are. And, uh, you know, the more faces, the merrier. And, and, and Zach brings a, a huge resume with, with a plethora of experience, you know, not only as a player, but as a person. So I think that you know, the way this league is trending, CBL is on, is on the rise. And I think it's going to be you know, the, primary, the primary league here in Canada for a long time to come. Sure. You know, just... To tag along to that, I just think it's extremely. The league has done a good. Like, congrats and tips out to tip my hat off to, you know, Fraser Valley and the the, the addition of Rob Sacre. Yeah. I also think that the league has done an amazing job of just being inclusive. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Mike Morreale. He's doing Mike his thing. John Lashway. Yeah. Right. So they've done a really good job of just really bringing this the Canadian basketball community together slowly but surely. I think that you're just going to continue to grow. Now you have a team, you know, Montreal expanding, expansion team. So I, I think it's just, there's so much room for growth and it's almost like it's refreshing to see, hey, man, I, I played with that guy or played against this guy. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a breath of fresh air and liberating mm-hmm. to see like, you know, these are these are guys we rub shoulders with, yeah. competed with, you know, blood, sweat and tears with years ago and that we may have forgotten or people may have forgotten. And right. here we are. And they understand, like, they understand the game. They understand the yeah. business. They've lived it. So yeah. no, better, no better than, than them to, to be in those positions. So, yeah. you know, that's a good it's, it's funny, Chef, because, you know, as we're going through this experience, it's kind of funny the amount of guys who have felt spurned by Canada. Yeah. And, you know, to have this culture yes. shift where, where, you know, Canada basketball is becoming the thing in Canada, you know, it's kind of changing guys' perception on, on wanting to play and be here. And and this is going to be the hotbed going forward. You know, this is going to be the spot for these guys to be. And, you know, to change that stigma around the game here is, is exactly what's needed. And, you know, not just to have specific only the national team, but to have an outlet for these guys to stay home, you know, make good money, enjoy playing basketball. This is what it's all about. And we're happy to be on the forefront of it. I, I love, I love the, pers- the perspective guys. And, uh, I, I love seeing as really as, as a basketball fan in Canada, I love seeing guys like yourselves and, and Robert Sacre, guys who have been pro basketball players getting these, these kinds of jobs, these leadership mm-hmm. roles. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's rewarding even as a Canadian fan to see it and to mm-hmm. see these new opportunities that let's, let's be honest, really didn't exist up hey. until two or three years ago. I was going to say, and that's what I meant by spurn is just the lack of, of opportunity. It, it was such a small, you know, window for 
the opportunity to put yourself in a position to succeed in basketball in Canada. And now that's growing. So, you know, there's less competition for one or two spots. Now it's everybody can eat in Canada. And that's the ultimate yeah. goal is that we want to bring, have everybody come back who's, who, you know, t- Canada's got one of the most talented basketball hotbeds in the world. So we want to keep that here and cultivate it. Yeah, there there weren't a lot of sorry, Chef. There weren't a lot of opportunities for professional growth in Canada once your playing days were done. That's starting to change, right? Mm-hmm. So, it, and you're right. Like it goes far beyond just playing. Let's just think about the the umbrella of basketball and sport in, com- compared to some of the other sports in Canada. So, I think you know, producer Dan Wong wrote in his mess in his group chat here. Why why have guys been felt spurned by by Canada? And I think. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of it. You know, when you when you think Canada basketball in the past, you're thinking the national team. You're thinking, you know, the reality is that there's just 12 spots for all of Canada. But when you're thinking of Canada now and nurturing players, past, present, uh, producers, broadcast, coaches, you know, there's a lot of opportunity that's, that's now at the forefront, now developing. And I think, you know, it's comforting or reassuring to some of the players uh, and anybody involved in any capacity in saying, "Hey, there's opportunity. Let's let's work together." So I think that's a big part of it. Um, we can't just look at it as just, you know, the 12 players that go to the FIBA Americas or the 12 players mm-hmm. that are on the national team anymore. Because mm-hmm. you're right when you're looking about when you're looking at that, it's limited. And before it was it was a bigger burn because that separation was was minimal between you know a guy yeah. like. AR or myself mm-hmm. and maybe somebody, another player that went, maybe went to a smaller school or felt like they could have been on the national team. But now like the mm-hmm. U.S. never really had that problem because there's a, there's a big, there's a big disparity between a LeBron or Melo or Dane Dillard and, you know, the guy that's playing overseas with us. Mm-hmm. Right? We never had that gap before. So the conversations of why guys were disgruntled, why people have been disgruntled could have been had before because that it was very minuscule. That separation. Yeah, I mean, I felt that skull before, you know, that, that burn, you know, I, I was cut from the, the, the U21 tryouts before and, yeah. and, and then you have nothing to look forward to after that. So all you do is just kind of hold that resentment and, and, and it builds over time. So now to have all these outlets, you know, come on back, <laughs> come yeah. on back. Cause we got, we, you know, we're trying to build oh, this thing up, you know, let's, let's build it for us by us. Yeah. We, we got, we have a basketball industry in Canada now there it, it, it's right. here. It's still, it's still grassroots. It's developing, um, but it's here and it's, like I said, it's just delightful to see guys like you getting these kinds of opportunities and these jobs. And I, I like, I see you guys being leaders really for, for decades to come in, in this industry. Guys, we, we don't have a ton of time. It is March. We have to talk a little bit about March Madness. Conference tournaments are underway. I think next week we'll, we'll get more into it, but as we're recording here, uh, there's a tweet from ESPN Sports Center that just honestly breaks my heart. Uh, the, the Atlanta Coast Conference, the ACC announced that the Georgia Tech versus Virginia game has been canceled following a positive test, wow. subsequent quarantining, and contact tracing within wow. the Virginia program. Georgia Tech hey. advanced to the ACC championship game. Did just, you know just heart that doesn't break? Mine. Well, <laughs> I think your heart was broken yesterday. Okay, are that's right. Yeah, a little. Uh, uh, 
I, I, you I know UVA had, did beat my my Syracuse Orange, so I'm a little bit crusty about that. But well, yeah, and, and if you miss it, it was a tie game, 69-69, and somebody named Reese Beekman drills a three at Reese. the buzzer, <laughs> giving giving it was his only three points, his only shot, the only time his name was even called during the game. I just have a terrible feeling that. Um, th- this that win that is going to be the NCAA championship for Virginia because they they probably will not play again. I don't know if there's enough time. You know, we're two days away from uh, the bracket coming out, and th- this could spell the end of the season for Virginia, who technically is a defending champion. They won in 2019. No one has won since. And I was going to – my question was going to be to you guys about Duke for, for having the same situation – and now we're looking at a, 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 a an NCAA tournament without Duke, who hadn't missed one since 1995, without Virginia, who's the last team to win. Guys, how, how do you see the, the lack of those two teams being in the tournament? Probably opening a spot for Syracuse for sure now, by the way. But two, top, two, two of the top teams traditionally – but also COVID just still having its tentacles in, into, into March Madness. Where, where do you think this leaves us as we head into Selection Sunday? I think, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. You know, because, mm-hmm. you know, last year this time, this, and, you know, when all the tournament was canceled, this hurt a lot of those guys in their potential careers, right? And mm-hmm. when you're looking at that, it, that was unfortunate. And, we, you know, a lot of those guys, a lot of people would have had a conversation, well, why can't we have a bubble situation? Or, well, it was premature then. But, you know, it's conversations like those that led to, you know, a bubble going forward this year. Now, this is inevitable at the same time. So it's kind of like, where do, where do you really turn? And, and I think there's going to be a lot more that unfolds. Um, if going forward in this tournament. Now, if you had canceled it, then again, you're in the same situation you were last year. Um, so it's, it's a tough situation that you're in there. Maybe, you know, maybe you should have just had conference play and conference tourneys and leave it at that for the year. Um, so you can really stabilize the environment and, and mitigate the travel so much. Or maybe, maybe drop the, the conference tournaments and just go straight from your regular season to the NCAAs because everyone's going to be in one place anyway. But the, I mean, the odds of, of people catching of people catching it in Indianapolis are going to be there anyway. And I think you're going to see some, some games just not played because of one isolated incident. It's, I would I would have had the, the, I would have played the conference or your season and your conference tournament and, and shut it down there. I think when you pull, everybody in one place, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. It's sheer numbers. I mean, you know, 65 teams, you know, to try to get a hold on that is, is, is pretty significant, especially, you know, housing them, feeding them, you know, worrying about tests for everybody. You know, I don't know how many guys that is, but that's an exorbitant amount of money to be testing, you know, regularly. Mm-hmm. Not that the NCAA can't afford it, but, it is yeah. really sad to see that some of these teams, you know, who are synonymous with the NCAA tournament, not make it. Your Dukes, your Virginias, um, you know, it's a sign of the times right now. And, and I think that it's, it's super unfortunate because a lot of these guys really depend on an NCAA tournament to bolster their resumes. You know, a lot of these guys don't get the visibility during the year in their specific conferences because they might not have major airtime. Then they get to, you know, a CBS and ABC for these tournaments. 
they ball out, all of a sudden they're, you know, they're, they're national prospects. They're, they're guys who are on everybody's radar. So you feel for everybody who doesn't get to finish out their season, especially the seniors and guys who are really looking to make an impact to get an you know, invite to, to Plymouth or, you know, uh, you know, maybe the NBA draft combine. It's tough. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, the, this basketball should be taking a backseat to, you know, a global pandemic. You know, it, it's really sad to see what's happening. But ultimately, I think we have to realize health and safety comes first. And, and you know, we're not trying to see anybody die, you know, just to host a tournament. So mm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword because we obviously, you know, love basketball. It's been one of the things that's been keeping us afloat during this pandemic. But at the same time, you know, I think that the schools are doing the right thing, abiding by protocols. And it's just tough. It's sad to see. It's sad. Well, it's going to make for an interesting tournament and final four because teams aren't just playing against each other. They're playing against contract contact tracing and, and right. infections and testing in it. And you those know, games it, are quick turnarounds, too. You know, so, yeah, so the, yeah. you throw a race right. in a tournament at any given yeah, time. Yeah, these tournament. You're right. These tournament games in the, the conference tournaments, you play every day. So you're yeah. you're really looking at, uh, you know, a- any team can drop. I mean, I was going to ask both of you guys about Gonzaga. Twenty six and zero. Mm-hmm. They they wrap up their conference tournament. They're looking good. They you know you can feel like they they really suffered last year. They they looked like the favorite last year. They're probably the favorite again this year. Who knows what, what's going to happen? Guys, maybe a, a quick um, a quick thought before we get to Selection Sunday. Do you think Gonzaga is is the odds-on favorite this year? Uh, I think they're a favorite if you're looking at standings. If you're looking at history, no. There's always going to be reservation with them. Until they crack that and get it done, Yeah, um, you're still going to have that. I don't know what it is. Mark, you has to get above. But you know what's interesting going into the tournament as a one seed is that your target just expands. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody's gunning for you. And and, and you kind of have to carry this burden of expectation. And, and as you know, anybody can be anyone in the NCAA tournament. So you're playing with extra nerves at that point. But it's all going to come down to, you know, the experience factor. What was, what's that? <laughs> How my Wolverines play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But no, I think that as long as you have, you know, Jalen Suggs on your team, you got a good shot at making a run. You know, he's, yeah. he's, he's ultra dynamic. He's one of the best scorers in the country, hands down the top five pick. So we'll see if they can hold us together. And they, they just don't shoot threes. They get it inside. A lot of the bulk of their offense. They play good team basketball transition. Yeah. yeah. Yep. yep. Okay, that's uh, going to wrap this episode of Gym Rats and Joints. A special announcement. We are thrilled to be joining ACAST. ACAST powers the hottest podcast creators in the world. We're major label now, baby. That's more right. You heard we're hot. That's right. We're coming in hot. Uh, we'll have more info uh, to come about that as the weeks go by. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We're on social media at Jim Rats Podcast. Special thanks to our producer extraordinaire, Dan Wong. Follow him on social at Dan Wong Says. You can follow Javon Shepard on social at Javon Shepard. Andy Routens is on Instagram at Andy Routens. My name's Dan Gladman, and you can find me on social at DG on the road. On Sunday, I'll be on a webinar called Jumping Through Hoops with former Cleveland Cavaliers coach David Blatt to talk all things March Madness and support a March Madness online tournament 
run by Canadian Friends of Hebrew University. Check it out at cfhu.com. Already looking forward to next week's show, our March Madness extravaganza. Until then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 